if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, that's a, a well-known and well-used verse. Probably all of you are familiar with it. 2 Timothy 2.15. I actually, now, as I was preparing for this message, as I felt like God was directing my thoughts and, and, and my study and getting ready to preach tonight, it didn't cross my mind. Uh, but as I was standing up here in the choir and we were singing earlier, I got to thinking, you know, um, I got to thinking a few thoughts about a few other very well-known uh, scriptures, and you know, like John three sixteen, for instance. Uh, you know, Philippians four thirteen, and you know, we, all those different ones that we use a lot. And uh, you know, and I got to thinking, you know, not all those mean sometimes exactly the way that what we think that they mean. Uh, sometimes they get misused and, and, and overused, and, and, and I, that's a misuse as well. So I, I thought about it. I ought to preach a whole series of messages on does that mean what you think it means. And, but anyways, that wasn't my thought for, for this tonight. But anyways, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let me read a couple more verses with that, but now 15 is where we're going to come back to. Verse 16 says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase uh, unto more ungodliness. Uh, and their word will eat as doth a canker, uh, um, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, uh, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Paul, you can see, is dealing with some guys here uh, that was had misused the scripture, mishandled the scripture. He talks about the, to shun that profane and vain babblings, that nonsense, that all it will do is increase to ungodliness. He's, uh, he says their word will eat as does a canker. Um, I, I think of a cancer. He's saying that it's like a cancer, and it will just eat and it will grow. In uh, anyways, and he lists two examples examples of some fellows uh, that had done this having to do with the resurrection saying that it had already happened that it had already passed so i want you to keep in mind though what it says in verse 15 study to show thyself approved unto god let's go to the lord together in a word of prayer will you bow your heads with me heavenly father we just humbly come before you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight, to study your word, to worship together, to hear your word go forward and preach. We thank you, Lord, for our church family, for the roof you put over our head, for the nation that we live in, for the blessings that you poured out on us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all of these things, but we thank you most of all tonight. For your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life. And I pray as we go forward tonight in this service. God, I pray that you would stir us tonight. That you would stir our hearts. That you would knit us together. God, I pray that something that is done or said here tonight. 
Lord, that you would use it to speak to our hearts. I think of what I read uh, yesterday where the scriptures tells us over and over in the book of Revelations to, to, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say to us, say to the churches, that's to us. I pray tonight that we would have an ear to hear what you would say to us tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would have a heart for you and a heart for righteousness, a desire to see souls won and added to your kingdom, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that desire to do your will, that we would rather see your will done than even to eat. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would just use us, that we'd be willing vessels, and that you'd use us to accomplish your will here on earth. I pray, Lord, that we would look out and we would see the need. We would see the whites, or the fields are white, ready to harvest. We'd look around in the pews right here beside us tonight and see how empty and bare they are. But it's not because that the harvest is few. It's many. It's the workers that are few. So help us, Lord, to be the workers that you've called us to be. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Give us a burden. Give us a desire. Give us a vision to go out and to win the loss to you. And God, I pray tonight in this message, help me be the preacher you've called me to be. Give me the words that you'd have me to speak tonight. Give us ears to hear them, hearts to receive them. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word. God, we love you tonight. I ask tonight that you would, uh, your presence has been felt here, but I ask that you just pour yourself out on us in a mighty way. Lord, that they would just be a special blessing here tonight. I pray, Lord, for my own self. I can't preach unless you give it to me. I know that. I got nothing to say unless you give, unless you give me those words. So clear my mind of everything that might distract me or discourage me or hold me back. Help me to focus on you, your thoughts, your words, and place on my tongue the very things that I would speak tonight. My desire, Lord, is for each one to know that they've heard not from me, but from you. And Lord, help me be the messenger you've called me to be. I'm asking for your anointing, for your holy unction. I'm asking for your move of your spirit. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. So what does it mean to be approved unto God? How does one become approved? When Peter preached his famous sermon on the day of Pentecost, he spoke of Jesus being approved of God by miracles and signs. When I think about being approved, I guess, uh, if there's something that we all want is that we all want uh, is what we want is from someone's approval, right? Think about it for a minute. Children want the approval of their parents. Workers want the approval of their bosses. Students want the approval of their teachers. Players want the approval of their coaches. We all want the approval of someone. But that approval is not or should not be, and in this case having to do with the scripture, is not arbitrary. It doesn't come just because you want it. It is something of value. And it is something to be earned, if we're just going to be honest about it. 
A workman that is approved is a workman who has been put to the test and has won the approval of the one who put them to the test. Does that make sense? Right? To be approved, for a workman to be approved, that workman has to have been put to the test. How can you be approved if you've not been put to the test? And then that approval must come from the one who put them to the test to begin with. So let's take a little closer look at the scripture here this evening. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Let me just tell you how that's done, especially in the context it's talking about here. This is done by getting into this book right here, into the Bible, into the Word of God, right? This workman that's talking about here, study to show thyself approved unto God. You're going to have, in order to get that, you're going to have to get into the work. And then it says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Right? That means to keep yourself, keep yourself in the book uh, and out of the world. That's the problem that we have today. We want to spend so much time in the world that we can't find time to get in the book. Well, if we're going to be approved unto God, right? Uh, one that is a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, then it's one that we're going to have to stay in the book uh, and get out of the world. And it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, I thought about this. If I was going to sum it up, I'd say, teach the book, preach the book, live the book. But I need to talk for a minute about that rightly dividing. I heard that some people are just, um, some people just don't make no sense at all. I don't know if what I said made sense, but some people are silly, nonsensical. I think that's a word, right? They just don't make no sense at all. Uh, Rightly dividing. If you are to look this up in the original language, New Testament is originally written in Greek. If you were to look it up in the new, in the original language, and you were to get the literal meaning, that's one Greek word uh, that is translated rightly dividing. It only appears one time uh, in the entirety of the New Testament, and what it literally means is to cut straight. To cut straight. Actually, the, so many times with the words that are given, they actually create kind of a word picture. And the picture that it creates is one of rows that are plowed straight. Plow the rows straight. That's what it's saying. Cut it straight. I had an uncle. I kid you not. He thought that if you couldn't make the rows in your garden straight, you didn't have no business putting out a garden. Oh, he would get so bent out of shape, he'd go by, he'd see somebody's, you know, crooked old rows. There's so many, right, that they they don't lay it out, they just go through there, and you know, that looks pretty good, that looks about right, things kind of growing up. You see an old dog leg in there as you're going along, you know, not real straight. That used to drive him crazy. I guess I probably heard him gripe about that enough as a kid growing up. He was one, we all loved him, but he was, uh, he was the one, uh, he was from over in Eminence. And I'd go stay with my aunt and, and uncle, and, and uh, there was a bunch of us kids about, you know, around my age, and we'd love to go over to Alley Springs sw- swimming. That's what we'd want. We'd want him to take us Alley Springs swimming. He always had a thing. We had to go pick rocks out of the garden before he'd take us. He'd be like, I ain't seen you picking no rocks. He said, you want me to take you swimming? You go pick some rocks first. 
We had to pick rocks out of his garden. Uh, I think if we'd ever picked all the rocks, he wouldn't have had no garden left. But man, let me tell you something. Them rows was always perfectly straight. That was his thing. It's kind of, me and Jennifer put out a good-sized garden at different times. We haven't in the last few years, but at different times over the years. And I've noticed, <laughs> I always make sure my rows are perfectly straight. I don't know if it's just from all them years, from you know hearing him harp about that or what, but I, I like my rows to be straight too. But that's what that phrase is meaning. That's the picture. If you would have been alive in that day and spoke the same language they did, as soon as they uttered that word that we say rightly dividing, you would have instantly thought of them rows that have been plowed, been cut straight. Not just any way that you want, not just here and there and wishy-washy and all over the place, but they were cut straight. That's what the scripture is telling us when we handle the word of God. To do it carefully, right? To do it rightly, divide it rightly, right? To, to cut it straight, tell it like it is, correctly handle the word of God. I've heard people give all kinds of nonsense explanations. Probably one of the most popular ones is they, they take that word divide. Make it mean something it doesn't mean at all. And they make it like it's a secret code that you've all of a sudden now that you've unraveled and you're supposed to divide the scriptures up into certain places, right? And it's dividing the different ages and so on and so forth. And so God handled different people different ways at different times and so on and so forth. That's the idea that goes along behind of it. And there is a kernel of truth in some of it, but that is not what that scripture is saying. And, it's, and I'll say this over and over and over again. God's always right the Expectations always been the same. God has always handled people the same way. It is all by faith. Nobody ever made, has made it to heaven without faith, without believing God and trusting God, nor will they ever. I don't care what time period you lived in. I don't care if it was Old Testament, New Testament, before. Before or after. It's by faith. It's only by faith. Rightly dividing the word of God. Handling it right. Handling it correctly. Straight. Cutting it Straight. As I thought about this, I think the scripture as a whole, right? I mean, I know Paul is encouraging Timothy, a young minister, to handle the word of truth in a straight way, to correctly handle the word of God. But I think the scripture as a whole is saying to us, is telling us to be a good Christian, one who does not need to be ashamed so that we can present ourselves to God and receive his approval. I think in a nutshell that's what, I, what it's saying. Now, something, my question and what I'm wanting to address and preach on here is being approved unto God. Right, that's the phrase in the scripture, approved by God is what I mean by that. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word Christian. Now, I, I preached on what it means to be a Christian here, I don't know, maybe it's been a year ago or more. And, and I went through the meaning of that. I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not when I did that, but do you know that the word, of Christ, the word Christian only appears in the Bible three times? All of Scripture, the word Christian... I'm talking about in the King James Bible here, only appears in all of the scriptures three times. If you look at the Greek word, 
that is, and I won't try to say it, I, I would mess it up anyways, it's translated Christian. That Greek word, it's not translated something different in other places. It only appears in all of the scripture three times. I think, I believe, each time it's used, I think it teaches us something about what I'm talking about tonight. I think it reveals to us something important about our being approved unto God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 26 and verse 28. It's not the first time it appears in the scripture, but it's the first one I'm going to read to you. Acts chapter 26, verse 28 says this. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Here's what I think we find here. I think we find that having God's approval is a matter of making the right choice. King Agrippa had a choice here. King Agrippa, after Paul has shared his testimony, his witness to him, said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul has preached to Herod Agrippa. He has presented to him as clearly as he could the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like I said, he's given him his testimony. After this, Agrippa has to make a choice. He must either accept this gospel and receive Christ, or he must reject it and reject Christ. You know, as he thought about it, there's no doubt that he weighed the consequences. There would have been big consequences of him accepting Christ. Of Herod Agrippa being converted to Christianity at this point, would have been, there would have been big consequences to that. And as far as we know, I, I've thought about this before, we don't know that he ever got saved. As far as we know, this is the closest he ever got. Could you imagine now, almost persuaded, in eternity in a devil's hell now, and looking back at the moment that he was this close, but he said no one more time. He never did what, as far as we know, he never did what was necessary <coughs> to be approved unto God, to receive God's approval. I'm going to tell you the same is true with each one of us. If you're ever going to have God's approval upon your life, the first thing you've got to do is make the right choice about Jesus Christ. That is step one. You must make the right choice about Jesus Christ. It can't be almost like Herod here, Herod Agrippa. It can't be kind of, sort of, maybe, wishy-washy. It can't be all over the place. It must be all together. It's all together or nothing. And look, I know it wouldn't have been easy. I already said that for Herod to have said yes to Christ. But listen, it won't be easy for you either. But you've got to make that choice. Just like they said in the day of Joshua. Uh, when well, Joshua said, choose ye this day whom you will serve. That, we've got to make that decision too. 
We, church, we got to quit living with one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and think that we're all right. We're no better than Agrippa, almost persuaded, almost in the kingdom, but not quite. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve Christ with everything that you've got? Are you going to give it all to God? Or are you going to keep riding the fence? I think, uh, I, I remember in Elijah's day, Right when he stood there on Mount Carmel, and he uh, Mount Carmel, and he said, "Why halt ye between two opinions?" We have that same issue, that same problem, fighting that same battle today. Listen to me, church. You have got to make a choice. You have. To choose. We've got to choose, right? Uh, we're either going to be in this and serious about this or we're just going to let it go. We've got a choice laid out here before us. I go through the scripture and you see that over and over and over. We've got a choice. Just like Abel chose to offer up a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Noah chose to, build, uh, to obey God and build an ark. The Bible says to the saving of his house, right? His whole family got saved because he chose to obey God. Abraham chose to leave Ur of the Chaldees. He could have stayed there and perished there, but he chose to leave there and follow God. Lot's wife chose to look back, right? She didn't have to do that. She could have listened to God and lived, but in Instead, she chose to look back and turned into a pillar of salt, which is a witness to us today. Um, uh, we got Lot, who before that had even chose uh, to pitch his tent towards Sodom, right? You can look at that and say that maybe his family wouldn't have got into the mess and his life wouldn't have got into the mess if he'd have made a different choice. Uh, we look at Moses. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He had other options. Ruth chose to leave her own people and to go with Naomi. And there are many more as we could go through the scriptures that made their choices. Some of them made the right choice. Others made the wrong choice. What I'm saying to you tonight is this. If you're going to have the approval of God upon your life, it starts with making the right choice about Jesus Christ. Let me give you the second time. It's actually the first time it appears in the scripture. It's the second time I'm going to mention tonight that the word Christian appears in the Bible. In Acts chapter 11, so if you back up a few pages, to Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Acts eleven twenty six says, and when they had, uh, yeah, and when they had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. We see here, divine approval comes from having the right kind of conduct. You might say, now wait a minute, preacher, how do you get that from that? What are you talking about? Well, Scripture tells us the church had spread all the way up to Antioch. And it tells us that it was only natural to call the followers of Christ Christians. That's what the Scripture tells us. They're called Christians because they were Christ-like in their conduct. Because of how they handled themselves. 
In other words, what am I saying here? The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. So what they do? They went about doing good. It teaches us, it tells us that Jesus was unselfish in his actions. So they were unselfish in their actions. It tells us that he was loving and that he was kind. It tells us he was charitable uh, in his giving. It tells us that he forgave uh, uh, those who had sinned against him. So they went out and done the same. They conducted themselves in a Christ-like manner. No wonder they were the first ones to be called Christians there in Antioch. They were acting like Christ. As I thought about this, I wondered if this was today and talking about us, what would they choose to call us today? Could they rightly and fairly call us Christians? Is our conduct Christ-like? Does it reflect Him? Or would they be searching for a different word to call us? And then the third place, the only other time in all of Scripture that the word Christian appears is in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. Let me read it to you. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. Here we see that divine approval comes from having God's approval, right? God's approval comes when we suffer for him. Peter knew. Peter knew. He understood He knew all too well that it was not easy to live for the Lord. He had been challenged and failed already. I think that's what he was getting at here. That if you want God's approval upon your life, then you've got to take your stand for Christ. Sure, sure, there will be persecution. Don't think that there won't be. I, we've had it too. We've had it easy. We've had it good for a long time. Church, understand. Mark my words. If you live long enough, you will suffer for Christ. The persecution will come. We will be persecuted by for the name of Christ. Uh, we, we've not been persecuted yet. Oh, we've had some people that don't like us. We've had some people that call us names and think that we're bigots and things like that. But we've not really begun, not in this country, not here, other parts of the world, yes. But we've not begun to suffer yet. But there is coming a time that we will. There will be persecution. And sure, yes, there will be ridicule. Yes, there will be suffering. And yes, at times it is an uphill battle. And yes, the road is narrow and few are walking it. But listen to me tonight, church. It is worth it. It is worth it. What we talk about, uh, what we've talked about, what we think about, what we want to do 
for Christ, some of the things that we've talked about before, some of the things that, you know, that we need to be doing to win the loss to Jesus, it will be an uphill battle. Absolutely. The road's narrow. Not many are walking it, right? Uh, there is, there will be opposition along the way. The devil will be as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't you know that he'll be looking to take you down? He'll be looking to discourage you. He'll be looking to stop you every step of the way, every chance that he gets. And listen to me. You will get knocked down at different times. No question, no doubt about it. If you are going to be approved unto God, if you're going to do the will of God, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to walk the narrow way, you will face opposition. The enemy will come at you. Times it will hurt. Times it will cost you. But church, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the heartache. It's worth the battles. It's worth it. You can't even... It's worth it. When I start to say you can't even, we can't even imagine. But it's worth it. Right now, there are many, many believers all over the world who are suffering because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Believers are putting their life on the line. They are holding on to their convictions. They are maintaining their testimonies. They are refusing to conform to the world and they are even willing to die. When I think about this and some of the stories and some of the things I hear going on in other parts of the world, it reminds me of what it says in Hebrews eleven thirty eight when it says, Of whom the world was not worthy. Listen to me, church. These people, these are definitely approved unto God. So, here's what I want to ask you, and I'll quit. What about you? Are you making the right choices? Are you living right? Are you willing to sacrifice? Oh, we like to answer yes to the first two questions, but sacrifice. You realize in order for it to be a sacrifice, it's going to cost you something. It's, that's not giving of your leftovers. I preached about that the other night at the revival. That's the problem with Cain. Cain uh, was given of his leftovers. That's not a sacrifice. That's not an offering. That's not an act of love. That's a, here, I got a little bit of leftover. It's going to go to waste if it doesn't get used. You might as well have it, God. No. Abel gave of the firstlings and the fat thereof. What he offered was a sacrifice. God demands no less from you and I and will accept no less from you and I. Are you willing to sacrifice? Not for me. Not even for this building that we've dedicated to God. But for Christ and for His cause. Are you willing to give something up? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to miss out on something? Are you willing to take a little ridicule? Are you willing to suffer if that's what it be? What if I just straight up asked you? Do you have his approval? The scripture said, well I've turned from there, but anyways it says, 
a workman, approved unto God. Approved unto God. Need us not be ashamed, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Do you have his approval? Do you have his approval? If you were in Antioch when Acts chapter 11 was being taking place, is Christian the name that they would call you? Or is it something else? Church? I think, and I know I'm being a little harsh, but understand this is coming from love and it's the truth. I think we're willing, as long as it's not going to interfere with our life. I think we're willing, as long as there's plenty. I think we're willing, as long as we're not going to miss anything that we don't want to miss. I think we're willing, as long as we don't lose any friends that we want to lose that we don't want to lose. I think we're willing as long as it's not going to cause a problem, a ripple in the relationship, maybe with a family member or a friend or someone that we care about. Church, what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid we're perfectly willing as long as it doesn't cost us anything, as long as it's not a sacrifice. God's not going to be happy with that. He's not going to be satisfied with that. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar. I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come tonight? Whatever it is, don't you hold back. Don't you worry what someone else thinks. Don't matter what they think. All that matters is what God thinks. Spirit of God dealing with you tonight. Would you come while he's drawing you? Don't wait any longer. Whatever it is, would you come tonight? Would you come?